0: This is a true story and every time i tell it it happens to grab the attention of everybody in the room upon reflecting with a friend i figured it's time to share in the summer of 2020 my friends alex and violet and i decided to go on a mountain vacation covid cabin fever had hit us hard and we were desperate to get out we had settled on a mountain estate and planned to camp and hike at several different locations for one night we thought it would be fun to book a cabin in the woods violet's parents had rented a fire tower once and loved it But a cabin beside a fire tower was all we could find it was cheap clean and secluded excited to have a night where we could be as obnoxious as we wanted we booked it in the weeks leading up to the trip we decided it'd be a great idea to drop acid at the cabin violet bought an entire sheet in preparation for our arrival and it was tucked away in her bag as we pulled out of the driveway to make our way to the cabin i remember this knot in the pit of my stomach this aching feeling that gnawed at me i told alex and violet there was no way we could drop acid that night and Violet was pissed. We turned around and got into a massive argument, but I stood my ground. I just knew that we had no business tripping that night. Finally, the fireworks were settled and we were off. The cabin was roughly 30 minutes away from the nearest town. It sat atop a mountain and we held our breath as we rounded the busted road that spiraled towards the top. There were no pull-offs, no other campsites, just a long, winding road that led us to the cabin at the peak. We settled in and started a fire to get warm and as dusk gave way to night, We heard the unmistakable noise of an engine on the road, then the flash of headlights. A side-by-side with three kids arrived, and our nerves settled. They smiled, gave us a wave, climbed the fire tower, and then left. We'd heard there may be occasional visitors to the fire tower, but they were the only ones who'd come by. We doused the fire and moved inside, heated some hot dogs until they were lukewarm, ate them real fast, and then sat in silence. You don't know how quiet it is until you're in the middle of nowhere. You can hear every rustle of the leaves, the whisper of the wind through their branches. You get so used to white noise living in the city, there's always the hum of an air conditioner or the dim roar of traffic to focus on. Here, the closest thing to white noise was the sound of your own breathing. We jumped at every noise, too frightened to speak to one another. And finally, I'd had enough. I cracked a few wine coolers, passed them to Alex and Violet, and slapped a board game down on the table between our bunk beds. It didn't take long for us to loosen up, and we were laughing, having the raucous good time that we'd envisioned. Much more sober than we'd thought, but enough that we were able to ignore the rumble of the woods. Later, we'd all recall hearing noises in the background. The snap of a twig, the dim rumble of an engine. None of us wanted to rupture the air of nonchalance between us though, so we all ignored it. That was until a human hand reached up to the window between us and slapped it three times. We were screaming in an instant. Alex called 911 and put them on the speakerphone while handing me his cell phone. He grabbed pokers from the fireplace and passed them out. Violet started calling family members and saying her last goodbyes. I held my breath and listened for any more noise. Whoever this was, whatever this was, would have heard us call 911, and now they were being careful to make a silent retreat. Police arrived 20 minutes later, and that's great time for a a 1am emergency call. They even had their dogs there to comb the mountain, but they found nothing. They suggested it may have been a bear, but I could tell from their faces that they didn't even believe that. We'd barely cooked those hot dogs, and why would a bear smack the window by a couple of screaming kids rather than the one closest to the pan we'd used to cook? Why would a bear knock on the window like a human? Why, when we screamed, did the bear make a stealthy retreat? They had no answers, but they did have an anecdote for us. As they'd sped to us, they'd come across a car at the base of the mountain, but that was the only sign of life that they'd seen. I remember my blood ran cold. But Violet and Alex were too frazzled to absorb the weight of what they'd said, and dizzied by a whole new horror. Violet's car, which was thoroughly dusted by our drive up the mountain, was covered in handprints. Handprints that didn't match ours, handprints that touched places we hadn't. We grabbed our stuff by the armful and threw it inside, eager to remove every part of ourselves from this mountain. We followed the police, grateful for every pothole that found us further and further from that wretched cabin. We made it down in record time and found lodging at a seedy hotel that reeked of cat pee. I couldn't sleep a wink. The thought of that car on the road rang in my head. Remember, there was nothing else on that mountain. It was narrow road to the top. No pull-offs. No other campsites. There was the fire tower. Maybe a visitor decided to spook us during their late night excursion? But the kids from earlier. We'd seen their headlights. Whoever did this had stopped their vehicle further down the road and hiked the rest of the way. They didn't want to be spotted. They wanted silence, secrecy. Whoever this was hadn't been looking for a cheap scare. They had planned this. I don't think I'll ever know what the person on the mountain wanted from me. I don't know if it was a practical joke or the beginning of a night of terror. I'm grateful for Alex's quick wit in calling 911. I wonder if our visitor knew we had service, because it was certainly a welcome surprise to us. Perhaps that was a wrench in his plan, enough to spook him before he could make things ugly. In all truth i don't know if i want to know i think i'm just content to never be in that situation or to ever be in that damn cabin ever again my sister my mom and myself have been trying to make sense of this for the past couple of hours and the facts get less comforting the more we compare our experiences of that night so last friday night i was home alone while my family stayed in their cabin a few kilometers away I'm used to staying home alone, as this exact scenario is very common in the summertime, especially while I'm working and can't travel from the cabin and back. I'm not usually jumpy or afraid while I'm home alone anymore, because I've gotten used to the odd creaks and unsettling noises of our old house. I was especially comforted by the fact that my sister's dog was also in the house with me that night, and most noises could be attributed to him, and if anything were to happen, he would act as a guard dog of sorts and alert me to anything odd. At the same time, however, He's is the type of dog to bark at any noise or person walking past the door or windows, so I'm used to hearing him bark or growl at all hours of the night. Even so, this past Friday, the sound of his barks at nearly midnight were disconcerting, to say the least. Despite my comfort with staying home alone, I'm still terrified of the premise of a break-in or some other uninvited human interaction at midnight. I let him bark for a few seconds, telling myself if it was just someone walking past our glass door in the adjacent alleyway, he would quiet down once they passed. Needless to say, That's not what happened. He kept barking and growling for a few moments too long, and I finally got out of bed and walked upstairs to check it out. As I'd expected, he was standing alert at the glass door. I was comforted for a moment until I walked over ready to close the curtains and go back to sleep, and saw the door open about two or three inches. I froze. I had let Bosco the dog out earlier that night, but I know I closed the door. I have never left this door open. I'm an especially paranoid person with bad anxiety, especially concerning break-ins and the like, so I would never, home alone, forget to close that door. I'm 100% certain. But at the time, I didn't let myself think about those facts or even acknowledge that I could not have left the door open because I knew it would send me into a spiral, possibly even a panic attack if I didn't explain this away. I closed and locked the door, double-checking that it was certainly locked. Using the flashlight on my phone, I looked around the entire second floor of my three-floor house including closets and other reasonable hiding spots just to put my mind at ease, and upon finding nothing, I went back downstairs to my room. As I was down there trying to push away the fear, I could hear Bosco walking around on the floor that doubles as my bedroom's roof. I thought I was overthinking it when it started to sound like human footsteps accompanied by Bosco's footsteps. He walks around for about 10 minutes before I put in my earphones and talk myself down until I can fall asleep. At about 2 a.m., my sister comes home from work. I woke up a few minutes before this to Bosco in the basement, whining at my bedroom door. When I got up to let him out, my sister walked in, and we let him out the front door rather than the glass patio door, letting him in the same way. We talked for a while before I went back downstairs, and my sister went to the bathroom. I forgot about the door, busy with work for the next few days, and forgot to mention it to anyone until tonight. My sister and mom were home with me for a movie night while my dad and brothers stay at the cabin. I remember the door situation when we were picking out a horror movie to watch. I was sharing it as a creepy, almost funny story before my sister spoke up, saying that that same night, an hour or so after they got home, the door was open again. The same door that I remember locking from the inside, and that hadn't been opened since earlier that night. My stomach dropped, and I started shaking the second that this was revealed. We first started trying to explain it away, maybe she had let Boss go out and forgot to close it until we both recalled that we'd used the front door. Then we were trying to justify a reason someone would break in to not steal anything. And proceed to stay for two hours before leaving. Ultimately, I realized that I quite possibly locked someone in the house with me, then forced them to hide upstairs while I searched the second level of our house. Then, this hypothetical person would be trapped up there, not knowing that this house was not empty, and there was a dog who would bark if they showed themselves again, alerting me to their presence. Then, when I was in the basement and my sister was in the bathroom, they ran out the glass door, which is timed perfectly to when they found the door open once more, much more wide open than when I found it originally. Perhaps they left it open the first time for a quick escape, or to stop the loud sound of it meeting the door frame. Either way, it ties together too perfectly for me to reasonably brush it off. I know it's unlikely, especially with nothing missing, but in this small town there have been many reports of break-ins with nothing being taken many, many times, so it's not as unlikely as it may be in the bigger city. I just can't make sense of this, and I'm shaken up thinking of the possibility of someone being in my house while I was asleep, alone in the basement. There's a part of me that doesn't believe it, but I can't shake the too many coincidences that all tie this together and making it as concerning as it is. Although I count my blessings every day that my searchings that night went empty handed, and that I never came face to face with this person. I got off work around 11pm this night. The sad part about this is that I volunteered for this shift. If I had never offered, I would have never experienced this. The apartment that I rent is on my college campus, and my campus is an open one, which means anyone can enter at any time. As a female, I guess that's pretty unnerving. However, I always carried a pocket knife and pepper spray to keep myself safe. I always found myself parking pretty far away from my apartment since most parking spots were already filled. I finally found a parking spot, but thank god I checked my surroundings before I got out. There was a fairly tall, grimy old man standing about 50 feet away from me. This sent chills down my spine because he stood so still, almost like a mannequin. I could see his bloodshot eyes. They were wide open. Now, I knew I wasn't getting out of the car, but what the man yelled to me made my heart pound out of my chest. Come here, pretty girl, he said with a slight, creepy grin on his face. I don't know why I did it, but I shot the bird at him, probably because I had a feeling he was a pervert or something. I put my car in reverse and backed out of the parking spot, keeping my eyes on the man. My heart pounded even harder when he started speed walking towards me. He was about 10 feet away from my car when I finally put my car into drive and stomped on the gas pedal. I literally drove to the other side of the apartments in a panic. I called my roommate slash best friend and told her what had just happened. I asked for her to wait for me at the door and to stay on the phone with me. I stayed in my car for about 5 minutes to calm myself down and gain some composure. I kept looking around to see if the guy had followed me. He was nowhere to be seen, and I didn't want to get out of my car, however I had to get into my apartment somehow. I parked in a spot where my apartment wasn't too far anymore. I decided to book it towards my room. I had my best friend on FaceTime the entire time I sprinted. I flew down two flights of stairs until I finally was about a hundred feet away from my door. I saw my best friend waving at me. A feeling of relief came over me, if just for a few seconds. Now I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Get Out. But just picture a grown man sprinting towards you. That's exactly what happened. That grimy old man hauled ass towards me, but this time he looked pissed. It was like a scene straight out of a horror movie. I don't know how he found me, and I don't know what his problem was, but I could have broken the national record for the 40 meter dash that night. I darted towards my door. Thankfully I reached my apartment just in time. Right when my best friend slammed the door, the man's fingers got caught in the crack. He screamed and tried to shove the door open, but my best friend and I surprisingly shut him out. This happened about a year ago. My best friend and I never spoke on it. Ever. I never saw the man again. I never volunteered to work another night shift. I never worked another night shift, period. And I never, ever shot the bird at anyone else.